Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Uh-huh. Oh. Oh. <laughs> We're doing great. I haven't left my house in three weeks. Mm-hmm. So tired, you guys. <laughs> I woke up from a nap like 30 seconds ago. Oh. I don't. Oh there's something about not doing anything that makes one more exhausted. Oh, yeah. Utterly. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Bill and I had a busy weekend, so, like, I get why we're tired, but then I also got my period today, so mm. my whole being, my vessel is just like, oh, honey, oh, yeah. nope. <laughs> I'm on more IVF hormones, so that's oh. great. Get it. Mm-hmm. Basically, anytime I feel even remotely okay for 48 hours straight, Something else happens and my body is thrown through another loop. Love it. Yay. It's great. It's great. What about you, Lucy? What's your complaint? I don't know. I'm just tired. (laughs) (laughs) Who are we? Yeah. What's happening? I'm Kenyon. You know about my hormones now. (laughs) Now. (laughs) I'm Lucy. I'm tired. I'm Amanda. This is your reminder to deep clean your menstrual cup. Mm-hmm. Ish. Yeah, you don't want it to be like that Viking horn. Oh, God. Ew. <laughs> Mystery fluids leaking you out. Guys. <laughs> I Actually, I wonder if they ever used horns. Ew. As, as menstrual cups? No. no probably they stuck not. you in a tent for a week. And said, we don't want to no. see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ish. No. Stay away. Avoid sharks. Here's some absorbent moss. Yeah. <laughs> Sit on this tuft. Here are some stinging nettles that we fashioned. Your name is Miss Muffet now. (laughs) Fashioned into a menstrual pad, these stinging nettles. You can't move or you'll curse your entire village. Yeah. Okay. Now sit still. But also take care of the children. (laughs) Bye-bye. All right. Well, this is neither here nor there. But we have a very special fan pick for you today, brought to you by our fan picker, Samantha Vanderveen. Vanderveen. She intervanderveened (laughs) with our schedule. They did. Yes. Uh, It's pronounced Vanderveen. Uh, <laughs> Samantha has selected the topic of video game crimes. Mm-hmm. You play a video game. I've had that song in my head all day. All day. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's Lana Del Rey. It's called oh. Video Games. It's a really great song. And when we did our New Orleans show, I think you were napping, Kenyon, but Lucy and I were sitting out on the veranda and there was definitely like a karaoke bar on the same block and someone was just really doing their best on some (laughs) bad karaoke of video games. So Lucy and I just burst out singing it on the on the veranda Mm -hmm. to drown her out. We we had our secondary. It's all for you. Oh, we had our own little secondary karaoke. And then we called. Secondary Oki. And then we called Cat Dennings. Yes, we did. <laughs> I can't believe I napped through all that. We drunk dialed Cat Dennings. <laughs> she liked Oops. it. 
Yeah, she loved it. <laughs> Hi, Kat. All right. Well, Amanda, what is our wine crime pairing for video game crimes? This all for you. I sound exactly <laughs> like Lana Del Rey when mm-hmm. I do that. Mm-hmm. You all at home listening are hopefully drinking this, but uh, full disclosure, I'm not because I've just had a menstrual headache all day that no amount of Tylenol will get rid of. <laughs> I did take a gummy before sitting down, though, so I'm not <laughs> going through this sober, people. <laughs> Jealous. I just, I just didn't want to mix alcohol with all the like ibuprofen I took today, and I feel like Fair. I still have like the mild headache, and drinking wine is just going to bring it completely back. So I'm like, fuck this but I wanted to get a little bit toasty. You do you. But the pairing today is Wink's 2020 Ultra Mont Verdejo. Oh, I love this one. This I get is this really one good. a lot. Yeah. And that translates to Another World, which just felt like a perfect combo for video, for video games. games. You know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep, yep. Have you ever, like you play video, you're a video gamer. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm, quite a gamer anymore but there was a time compared to present company yes i am a gamer hardcore gamer basically (laughs) in a land party right now i have played grand theft auto 3 at summer camp in eighth grade Mm. and i have played lara croft tomb raider with my little cousin when he came to visit in the summers which one because there's like a thousand of them now oh probably the first the first one The number one. We were very young. My friend Robbie, who you all know, (laughs) is a huge video game buff and has like every game. And so he especially loves horror video games. So he's made me play through some of the scariest fucking scenes. Like he knows that I will not commit to playing through an entire horror game Mm -hmm. on my own. Like I tried to play Bioshock on my computer years ago and I could literally only play it by muting mostly muting the audio from the actual game and just blasting Kesha in my bedroom (laughs) because it was so fucking scary (laughs) but he's made me play through some like really intense openings and he made me play through one of the Tomb Raider openings and the screaming I need I need a twitch channel of me just being bad at playing console games yeah (laughs) (laughs) my cousin has a twitch channel for playing various video games well there you go Tomb Raider one I might try this out because I am not good, but I am entertaining. There you go. Anyway. Anyway, so this is a selection from our friends over at Wink Wine Club, which is an amazing online wine club that delivers wine directly to your door or another convenient local or not quite as local location if they Across don't the border. directly serve your state, but they serve all, most states now. So, mm-hmm. you know, Kentucky, We're you might be on, on your own. You're working on it. You're working on it. And we have an incredible offer for our listeners. If this is your first time ordering from Wink, first of all, either welcome you're new here because most of our listeners are already hardcore Wink members or you are finally giving in after, what, (laughs) five years of us going, get Wink, it's amazing. It's amazing. (laughs) But you can head to trywink.com forward slash wine and crime special and get a special, special, special new member offer of four bottles for $29.95. And these bottles retail in a range of like $12 or $13 a bottle to like $20 a bottle. So like the one we're drinking today is $16.99. So multiply that by four. I mean, come on. Yeah, you're saving a lot of money. These are mm-hmm. like Costco prices for like yeah. 
Real good wines. Mm-hmm. Real and the Costco good. prices continue if you become a member of Wink Wine Club because you get member pricing. So the regular price on today's bottle, like I said, is $16.99. But as a member, it's $14.99. Come on. Dang. It adds up. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So about this particular battle, the Ultramont Verdejo. This is a white wine. And I love Verdejos. They're like, for to me, they're like the Grenache of white wine. Like they're mm-hmm. just a sassy, kind of like a Sauve Blanc alternative. It's less grassy, but you might get a little bit more like earth, wind, and fire in one of these bad boys. <laughs> this one is crisp. It's citrusy, it's aromatic, it's light in body, in body. it's fruit forward, but it finishes really dry, which I love. Mm-hmm. It is 13.6% ABV. It's going to make you think of spring, and I think we all need mm-hmm. a little bit of that. Absolutely. Just mm-hmm. a little bit of sunshine at the end of this tunnel. Yep, mm-hmm. this never-ending tunnel. <laughs> and maybe that's why it's so great to be on Another World today and the name for this wine is inspired by the transportive powers that this wine has it brings you right to the heart of spain and you know who wouldn't want to be in the heart of spain on a beautiful spring afternoon yeah on a cobbled street yeah sipping one of these bad boys (laughs) so if you had it in front of you you would pop it probably with a whiny crime gals limited edition wine key iridescent iridescent Gorgeous. But if you're me and you kept it upstairs in the fridge and you're only eating pot, which is clearly starting to kick in, you will just say cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. I'm not going to cheers with water because I'm superstitious. Well, I did. And I'm a little stitious. Yeah. All right. Lucy, what is our background and maybe psych for video game crimes? I got psych, people. Yes. All right, as if we need a fucking reminder, a video game or computer game is an electronic game that involves interaction with a user interface or input device such as a joystick, controller, keyboard, or motion sensing device to generate visual feedback. Well, actually, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you are a gamer. Lucy literally almost just quit the podcast <laughs> in that moment. Um, actually, technically, uh, they're not called users. They're called. Oh god, I mean, fucking probably someone, someone, yeah. someone somewhere, someone's fucking gonna. And I'm, I'm speaking to you right now. Don't. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> or do fucking, fucking waste don't. your time. I don't care. Derek don't, will don't love me. it. <laughs> Ugh, okay. Derek this feedback, will respond post haste. This feedback is shown on a video display device such as a TV set, monitor, touchscreen, or virtual reality headset. Also, oh, another world. What with Facebook's fucking metaverse? Meta. I can't Ugh. deal. I cannot it's deal. It's so creepy. It's so creepy. Like I the hate world it. has already been slowly ending for a really long time, but this just really escalated the vibe. Speeding yeah. it up. I don't yeah. like it. It's yeah. not great. It did escalate the vibe. It really I just did. don't like we're only in our mid 30s and Ugh. like I just don't want like we're looking down the barrel of like a lot more decades of like technology advancements and I don't want it. <laughs> we only have a good 30 I'm, years I'm left done. of like a oh. habitable planet, so it's fine. Thank That's God. True. All right. Well, at least there's that bright I'm spot. comforted. 
We'll all be bananas in a very short period of time. Stop. That's my new fear. Don't worry about the AI takeover because climate change will kill us all first. Okay, perfect. Worry about (laughs) bananadom. Okay. God, we are we are going through it. We really are. But <laughs> all I can think of is like how my grandma, like she couldn't figure out the voicemail box machine. Mm-hmm. You know, because she was born in 1930, fucking one. Right. She couldn't figure out. She could barely figure out like an egg timer. I'll Google mm-hmm. it, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how. Uh, I don't know. I don't have an Uber phone. But yeah. I don't have an Uber. That's gonna be phone. us in like two years. No, no, no. Well, I don't really care. Speak I'm for gonna. Yourself. I'm gonna embrace it. We'll be on our isolated commune by then. Mm. Now. The metaverse and bananas are intrinsically linked in mm-hmm. my mind. Great. Mm-hmm. Meta, me, meta, meta, nana. Anyway. We'll workshop it. Workshop it. Yeah, we'll that, that was awesome. Okay. What's happening? Video <laughs> games are often augmented with audio feedback delivered through speakers or headphones and sometimes with other types of feedback, including haptic technology. And that refers to any technology that can create an experience of touch by applying forces, vibrations, or motions to the user. So anything from like a vibrating controller to uh, using a steering wheel for like Mario Kart. Fun. Those are the best. Love those. (laughs) Do you love them? Oh my God. (laughs) Well, I don't love them, but like, that's fun. That's telling. That's telling. That's your choice. (laughs) That's your choice of controller is the plastic steering wheel. (laughs) Yeah. We got a gamer over here. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Simple pleasures for this one. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Your actual driving terrifies me, so stick to the video games. Remember when she was trying to park? (laughs) Are you part of it? Okay, that guy, that 16-year-old was giving terrible directions for to how be I was fair, supposed to move my car. That is true. You they did were. the same thing almost every time you parked I was in a parking say, lot, but though. That was not the only example. <laughs> the directions were only part of the problem. I park in spaces. <laughs> Remember that one parking lot when you guys needed coffee at that little, like, it into strip mall? Eventually. I was just thinking that Kenyon has her car has more cameras. There's an aerial view yeah. to help her both sides. I mean, it's like being in Facebook's metaverse, whatever it's a metaverse in yeah. that fucking car. She, and yeah. she still do it. Can I park, park just fine. I'm just slow and deliberate. This is us in the passenger seat. <laughs> oh god, just. Pumping the brakes as we you're like in, inching into the parking spot. When we were in Louisville with Scott. I sat in the back and let him have the front seat the whole trip. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. I just want you Scott to be comfortable. Scott doesn't mind my driving as much. Scott doesn't talk about it. Okay. He <laughs> He's nicer than us. God damn it. <laughs> it was a 
experience. It's I thought one I did I'll a never pretty forget. good job. Well, we're alive, so you clearly did all right. <laughs> I've never been in an accident, knock on wood. You've driven a total of 600 miles your entire <laughs> life. <laughs> the odds yeah. are in your favor. May they ever God, be. Lucy's not exaggerating. <laughs> Also, the tire fell off one time. (laughs) Not my fault. And you know it. I do, but that might constitute an accident. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, okay. Okay. Video games. (laughs) Video games are categorized depending on their platform. So we have arcade video games, Kenyon's fun ones, <laughs> console games, PC games, mobile gaming, virtual and augmented reality gaming, ugh, and remote cloud gaming. <laughs> there are an estimated to get a grip. <laughs> I, I never will. It's over for me. It's just so extreme. <laughs> it's, it's fucking amazing. I did good, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I'm sure they believe you. Yeah. <laughs> there are an estimated two billion video game users worldwide. It's a 30 billion dollar a year industry with over 65% of U.S. households having at least one computer, console, or handheld device used to play video games. I myself mm-hmm. have a Switch. Yep. And Corey your has an, an Xbox. Xbox guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The average gamer is 35 years old. Weird. With self-identifying female gamers representing about 41% of users. Fun. Pretty equal. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. like that. The earliest video game dates way, way back to 1947. And this was called a cathode ray tube amusement device. So it was a medical device (laughs) for going up your peak. It <laughs> was like, <laughs> it looks you're like getting, it came out of Chernobyl. You're getting catheter and cathode ray a little yes. mixed up. Yeah. Well, um, am I or are they both <laughs> cut from the same fitter? I don't <laughs> think <laughs> or they maybe you're are. getting amusement. Maybe that's throwing you. I don't know. <laughs> People are in all or kinds of cool shit. Device. <laughs> Used in gynecological settings for years. Knew it. <laughs> Just kidding. Fuck, I thought you were serious. I was so proud. I was like, nailed it. Give Fuck me yeah. credit. <laughs> I thought the, that was maybe the first time I screamed, give me credit today, but it won't be the last. I assure you, my friend. You need your daily credit. Credit quota. She self advocates. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I do. You it's know what you need. Okay. So, this <laughs> cathode ray tube amusement device uh, was filed for a patent on January 25th, 1947, by Thomas T. Goldsmith Jr. and Essel Ray Mann. That is oh, a wow. name. <laughs> Inspired by okay. radar display technology. You guys, I saw there was a picture of this. I don't know why I didn't drop it on the drive. I'll find it again. But it's like, it's not cute. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a catheter. It's not a catheter. <laughs> Keep up. It consists of an analog device allowing a user to control the parabolic arc of a dot on the screen to simulate a missile being fired at targets. The targets themselves are paper drawings that are fixed to the screen. <laughs> Lock. <laughs> so you don't change your cartridge. It's you basically just like putting post-its. You know, on a with, magnifying glass. Uh, no, on like the desk, you know, the old desktop or oh, like television like bouncing around to the corners. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's I that. Love it. but, I love it. Oh my God. Yeah. We could make this game. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it didn't sound that great, but that was the first one. In 1950, mathematician and engineer Claude Shannon... Shannon no. proposed that computers could be programmed to play chess, and he questioned whether this could mean that a computer could think. Ooh. This prompted research regarding artificial intelligence. It's a scary question. Can they? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially scary in 1950, because yeah. there was like one computer ever, and it fit in like a gymnasium. Right. <laughs> Imagine that coming at you. And the whole purpose of it was to kill the Russians. Yeah. Or fire missiles at paper targets on the screen. Yeah. Yes. We're just going to label this post-it Moscow. (laughs) Visualize it. Don't worry about us. Mm -mm. It's all part of the game. Okay. Oh, no. So a lot of the later and more popular uh, games were developed after hours at industrial labs and universities by, like, bored students and technical staff. So once people kind of figured out that they could do this kind of thing, it was simple enough that, like, you know, electrical engineers all over would just be like, I'm bored. I'm going to create my own little Pong game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Cute. This is from my lover, Encyclopedia Britannica. For example, in 1958, William A. Higginbotham of the Brookhaven National Laboratory in New York used an analog computer, control boxes, and an oscilloscope to create a game called Tennis for Two as part of a public display for visitors to the laboratory. So it's kind of like a, "Ah, look what we can do. This is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Is it basically just a pong, but back and forth between <laughs> animated tennis rackets? It's like way more primitive than pong. It's I'll I'll put that picture on the drive yeah. too. Only a few years later, in 1962, Steve Russell, Alan Kotak, J. Martin Greats, and others created a game called Space War! Exclamation point at the <sighs> ma- at at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. Ever heard of it? This game began no. as a demonstration program to show off the PDP-1, which is the Programmed Data Processor 1, mini-computer. <laughs> so it was just probably so many was that? fucking Three computer. Olympic swimming pools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and these were donated by Digital Equipment Corporation to MIT and the new Precision CRT display type 30 that was attached to it. So this will we never had be a, free of CRT. Oh this God. is so many numbers, you guys. <laughs> it was basically it had a display. It had the monitor. Okay. So it was a computer and a monitor and they were probably fucking massive still cuz again it's 19 what? 62. Right. 
This new technology appealed to the hacker culture of the Tech Model Railroad Club on MIT's <laughs> campus, and its authors were members of this group. So this, it was the first hacker group. Like That's what? So I I love knowing. It's, confirmed through history that it's the nerds. It's always, always the nerds. The nerds. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's folks who understood both computers and erector sets. Yeah. Yep. They're mm-hmm. the most powerful. Mm-hmm. So their motto was like something along the lines of information should be free. So they were kind of in tune to this new technology and like what computers could mean for society. And mm. they got ahead of it. And so they learned all about computers and all that stuff just to kind of they play, it sounds like they played a very big role in freedom of information as computers evolved. Cool. This sounds really scary to be on like the forefront of computer technology, because like. I know what Kenyon was saying about how in, you know, 30 years or whatever, we're going to be the like people who need a jitterbug. Yeah. But yes, but the only reason why I feel like that's not true is because the leap from in the era that Lucy's talking about right now from no nothing nothing no kind of computer Mm -hmm. technology really anywhere other than like very basic maybe for home appliances or something like that but not on the scale that even this like create mit creation or whatever was it went from so little Mm -hmm. and then the growth from that computer to even now has been so rapid Mm mm-hmm that like we're so used to it because we were raised in an era of this rapid change, but to have been alive when it yeah. went from zero to fucking one million overnight. Think about Helen. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, my grandmother lived through that. Yep. Yeah. The That's 20th so century scary. saw so much like exponential technological evolution. Mm-hmm. That to and your I point, don't... I think that we're kind of past this cusp of like. Like We're never going to be completely not understanding it. Like, yeah. Like from pen I, and paper to, you know, iPads. Because exactly. it's not like the discoveries are mundane by any stretch of the imagination that we're making now. I think we're just like, as a society, just like, yeah, all right, man. We're yeah, like we, tired we, of it. We yeah. expect oh, things to change and become Constantly. wild. We log Technology. into a new fucking version of Facebook every six days for, from the span of like 2007 until like 2015. I I will go I'm back and look it. at I'll look at my on this day and every day it's just a status that's like fucking Facebook is changing again and nobody knows what the fuck to do. Yeah, we're just so used <laughs> to it. We're over it. We hate it. We're done. I'm ready for a plateau. I miss my wall. I don't I want know. a newsfeed. I want my wall back. Mm-hmm. Build the wall. Oh my god. <laughs> Stop doing that as Jesus. a joke. The Facebook wall. I miss it. Make America wall again. Okay. Next. I am not wall. <laughs> <laughs> we need to I get that merch. Wall. We need to actually do it. Well, I'm working on it. Okay, okay, okay. So the hacker group. They wrote software and built control boxes that gave players the ability to move spaceships. So this is back to the space war game. Gave players the ability to move spaceships about on accurate star maps, maneuvering and firing space torpedoes at each other. Space war was distinctly a product of MIT computing. 
Several years they later, they made a game, and it's still like educational. <laughs> space it's for the nerds. Like, no, they're like, let's attack each other on a real star map. <laughs> yeah, on our computer, <laughs> an accurate representation of constellations. I can picture my dad. Your so dad was literally. in that model railroad. <laughs> Your dad invented space war. <laughs> he did. He did. He wasn't that fucking smart, but he was totally in model yeah. railroad. Yeah, he would have. If, if he had gotten the invite, he would have been there. Oh, oh yeah, would have been president within a month. He was bitter because he never got the secret invitation. Yeah. All right. Several years Someone later, posthumously give him that title. <laughs> Several years later in 1971, (laughs) an electrical engineer named Nolan Bushnell created the first arcade-style game, Kenyon's favorite, called Computer Space, which is basically (laughs) a coin-operated version of Space War inside a futuristic-looking cabinet that, like, took coins. Yes! See? Already better. You guys! Computer! We leapt... From space wars to computer, computer space. space. <laughs> oh, they the names get worse. What a leap. What a quantum leap. <laughs> a year later, he went on to co-found the Atari Corporation, which created Pong, which inspired Pac-Man, and so on and so on. By the end of the 70s, the industry began producing more complicated interactive fiction type games that defined a virtual space. One of which, <laughs> no, right, you're not even ready for no. this. One of the first of which was called. <laughs> no. I can do this. <laughs> Space computer hunt, hunt the wumpus. <laughs> what? Hunt the Wumpus. It sounds like a gross sex game. It it reminds me, Lucy, of our our PowerPoint presentation. The the Puff Wump. Yeah, Wiggly Giggly Puff Wump. Oh, my God. What on earth is happening? I am too high for this. (laughs) In seventh grade, we had to create a PowerPoint. It was like a- Slow down. It was like a (laughs) two-week project of, like, teaching us how to create PowerPoints. And, like, describe an invention. And we had to, like, create a toy, right? And then, like, market the toy, basically, through this PowerPoint. And Lucy and I were partners, and we created the Wiggly Giggly. Puff Wump, which was like a lollipop with like, like a candy vapor. You invented vaping stick. Like the stick was like a candy vapor, and whatever. And And the way it was illustrated, we worked on this for two full weeks. No, and then presented to the class. And then the moment it was up on the the bigger screen we both realized in unison in the same moment that it was just a spermatozoa super looked like a sperm (laughs) and it we didn't even think about it till we were doing (laughs) our presentation presenting and are frozen Name for it was Wiggly Giggly Puff Wump. Yeah, I didn't miss that part. That y'all are insane. So yeah, hunt the wumpus. Hunt the wumpus. Jesus Christ. I, <laughs> we both froze in front of the class. I couldn't stop like, laughing. We had to like cut it short because we could not finish our presentation. Pretty sure Mrs. Lee was like, you can sit down now. Please sit down. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Okay, Hunt the Wumpus. Fucking phenomenal ish. Then we've got Atari consoles, shit like that. Then IBM and Apple gave us personal computers where games continued to flourish and evolve. And then once the internet was widespread, we got multiplayer games that grew into as much a platform for social interaction as for structured gameplay. Mm-hmm. Didn't get into meta because I don't fucking get it. It's too scary. Don't I, get it. It's too scary. It's care. not fucking worth it. I don't I like it. I just don't care. It'll never be a part of my life. I'm saying oh, that right now. Famous no, the last only, words. <laughs> I want it to be a part of my death. I want to go full uh, that episode of um, Black Mirror where they mm. upload their consciousness so they can fall in love on that fucking retirement virtual reality. Haven't seen all of Black Mirror because it freaks oh. me out too much and I have bad dreams. That's to so my good. core. Yeah. Okay, so video games obviously have impacted a whole hell of a lot in our world today. And there's something called gamification. Have you heard of this? Maybe? I don't know. Go I don't I don't think I have. It's adding game mechanics into non-game environments. So mm, like okay. A non-game environment like a website, online community, learning management system, or business's intra- intranet to increase participation and collaboration. Is that like when you're like just trying to shop online and then there's like the spinning wheel where it's like, yep. give us your email address mm-hmm. and you could get 20% off? Absolutely. Fucking hate that. So examples of game mechanics may include points, levels, missions, leaderboards, badges, and progress. Game Mm -hmm. dynamics refer to a set of emotions, behaviors, and desires found in game mechanics that resonate with people. So examples being competition through leaderboards, collaboration by completing team missions, community by seeing other participants on a news feed, collection when earning unique badges and surprises by unlocking new missions. This is like literally if we applied best fiends world Mm -hmm. to the real world you get all those things why i love best fiends so much i like the audible badges because i Mm. like being like oh i did listen to that many books this month or whatever Mm -hmm. and then that's gamification of audible and duolingo Duolingo. Mm -hmm. oh my god duolingo i was like speaking gaelic i know i need to get back into it Yep. Yep. Every time that comes up, your response is, "I know. I need to get back into it." I was so, I was making Every such time. good progress, and then I just we stopped. know you kept us very up to date. <laughs> we, we were with you every super step no. of the way. I'm gonna get my golden owl. I'm gonna gamify Duolingo. Oh, oh my god! If they gamified themselves. That's- you yeah. So game, they did that. game dynamics are used with game mechanics to foster engagement and motivate participants, obviously. And this sounds like some bullshit corporate appeal to millennials. But once you understand it, you start seeing it fucking everywhere. Like it's already ingrained in our culture. Mm-hmm. So an example that I thought of, which was a little bit of a stretch, but I was trying to think of like something ridiculous where I can see some gamification is with my city's waste management oh, <laughs> system. God. They have an optional audit that you can opt into where they check your recycling bin. And and when you get enough points, like if you like they take away points, if you recycle shit, that's not supposed to be recycled Mm. and you get stuff by by like having super clean containers in there and stuff like Mm. that. You get enough points and you earn a yellow lid. So if you drive around Mm. the city on recycling day, the yellow lids are like 
the super recyclers. The VIPs. That is out of control. And I, I can love tell that. how much you want a yellow lid. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I really do. Is that your goal no. for, is that your New Year's resolution? I can only do it in the summertime because accessing my recycling in the winter is such a pain in the dick. I just can't even. <laughs> anyway, I have a tuck under garage, the very narrow driveway. Mm-hmm. It's a pain. I make Corey do it. Anyway, so that's an example of gamification, I think. This is like that scene in Parks and Recreation where they're trying to convince Pawnee to allow them to put fluoride in the water. And Sweetums wants to just pour like sweet sugary beverages <laughs> as the privatized water supply where like Gatorade comes out of the taps, basically. <laughs> and the only way that Leslie could convince the town was by like teaming up with Tom Haverford to gamify. They didn't <laughs> use this word, but that's exactly what they did. Just, they like, gamified the water. fluoride. Well, yeah, keeping water and putting fluoride in it. So they called it like Sparkle Club or something. And you like connect like, you know, like Grizzle Bots or whatever. Like when you drink this water and unlock 500 Grizzle Bots. And then you've just graduated to the Sparkle Club. And then it's like, make it to XYZ elite status and you get a plain blue t-shirt. And everybody in the room just starts like screaming and freaking out. They're so excited. (laughs) Yep. I'm like, I didn't know what gamification was. Now I know exactly what the fuck it is. Yep. Yep. That's so cool and terrifying. We're all just children. We all want to get a star on our homework or whatever, Mm -hmm. our chore chart. The human brain is actually not unique at all. And everybody is a little competitive. Everybody gets a dose of serotonin when they beat someone else or win a Mm -hmm. game. Yep. Mm -hmm. We're very simple. Or yep. so fucking simple and so predictable. Mm-hmm. I um, love it. So speaking of human brains, video games are frequently associated with psychological functioning. Mm-hmm. So this You're welcome. Is a segment from a German study from 2019, which questioned 2,734 individuals on personality and psychological health and their video game habits. So in conclusion, it said... Potentially problematic video gaming was found to be associated with positive affect and social relationships while playing, but also with psychological symptoms, maladaptive coping strategies, negative affectivity, low self-esteem, a preference for solitude, which I don't Mm. see a problem with, (laughs) and poor school performance. You're welcome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> a person's reason for playing as well as the preferred genre of game are important to factor into the potential problematic psychological impairments. Um, so all of this said, video games should not be labeled as good or bad. Right. So from this is from psychologicalscience.com. Social gaming in particular can positively influence well-being especially when the games involve cooperative elements that encourage positive interactions, whether with other players or non-player characters in the world of the game, like your villagers in Animal Crossing. Mm -hmm. They're my friends. I get sad when they ask to leave. Yep, me too. It's Mm -hmm. real sad. It's only when individuals begin to play obsessively or for escapism and a sense of achievement that gaming's deleterious effects begin to creep in. People need in-person social support for healthy cognitive function. So if someone is playing so many games that they don't have literal time for Mm face-to-face interaction, that's a problem in itself and not directly tied to the activity of Mm -hmm. gaming. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just like anything. 
everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's also a common misconception that violent video games, like the, sh- the shooter games, increase real-world aggression in children and adolescents, but findings on that remain controversial and inconclusive. Quote, in a meta-analysis, meta, oh no, Oh, it's uh, happening. Of 101 studies on video games and aggression in perspectives and psychological science, Christopher J. Ferguson from Stetson University found violent and nonviolent video games to have a minimal impact on children's and adolescents' well-being as measured in terms of aggression, pro-social behavior, academic performance, and symptoms of depression and attention deficit disorders. I do think, though, that... I mean, obviously, I'm a person and this is completely just my opinion and anecdotal, whatever. But I do think that, like, they contribute to a larger culture that includes other things besides video games, like all of our media, basically. Oh, it definitely news, can. Like, the, everything. The, like, white supremacy and anti-Semitism and all these, like, really fucked up, very right-wing social, like, subcultures not all, like Kenyon said, but some do really find each other playing games like fucking Call of Duty and shit like that. There's and they that. form yeah. like well, bonds and friendships platform. over the internet. Yeah. It's big, yeah. You say the same thing about Reddit. Yeah. And right. then you can literally like get together with your friends and go online and play this video game where you like collect all of the most insane guns and like exactly. go around and fucking shoot people. Well, so like the combination of those things can be really fucked up. Right. right. I think it desensitizes people and I think it glorifies not just violence, because like lots of things glorify violence, including things that like I also enjoy, like te- like movies, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, it does glorify like guns, mm-hmm. but so does a, a lot of other things in our society. Right. You know what I mean? As my notes go on to say, social and cultural contexts appear to have a much bigger impact on a person's proclivities towards violence. Quote, through a longitudinal study of 165 young men, Ferguson and colleagues found that symptoms of depression, antisocial personality traits, exposure to family violence and peer influences, but not exposure to violent video games, predicted aggression and instances of dating violence over a three-year period. Mm. So to your point, there could there is possibly an element of desensitization. There's all those things, the glorification, all that is totally valid what you said, mm-hmm. but specifically violent video games do not contribute to antisocial behavior. Yeah, it's not it's the correlation, not causation. Yeah. Or or it's, it could be one piece of causation mm-hmm. amongst many. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't really make sense to like totally scapegoat it like a lot of our parents' generation did uh-huh. when we were growing up. Oh, it was, it was bad. Like, it was like, I mentioned it a little bit in my case, but like it was fucking the satanic was, panic of the 90s. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I also wonder, though, if like and maybe studies are out there that exist to like track this. But like I feel like parents whose values don't align with like the values of certain video games are going to be more restrictive Mm-hmm. About like their kids accessing those games, right? But then, how do you unpick the effects of like the kid playing that game versus the kid growing up in a house with like broader cultural values that are aligned with that game? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No. Like if if a house, <laughs> like when I was growing up, 
I didn't care about video games, but also I wasn't allowed to play them really. So my mm-hmm. mom was like, no, they're too violent, blah, 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 guns. Like I was never allowed to even like play with like a fake gun or like a squirt mm-hmm. gun or whatever because she hates guns. And like I also hate guns now as an adult. But in other households where like guns are totally fine and part mm-hmm. of that family's cultural identity, then playing video games that involve a lot of guns could also be considered fine. And so then it's like, how do you pick, how do you tell the difference between the effect of like the family's culture is fine Mm -hmm. with guns more broadly versus like playing this video game? Well, that's kind of why these studies were so wide ranging Mm -hmm. because they too many contributing factors. There are way too many contributing factors. You can't isolate it to just the video game and the response because of the the cause and effect. And that's why none of those studies had conclusive results because Mm -hmm. it's impossible to isolate that. Right. But in and of itself, video games, even violent video games, don't show to be a significant contributing factor to antisocial or violent behaviors. Right. Right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Unless somebody becomes addicted. But that's true of anything. Mm -hmm. There are also enough other factors to offset any sort of ideas that a person might have in terms of the desensitizing and the glorification and things like that Mm -hmm. before a person would actually act on those values. Mm -hmm. So not only are video games not inherently bad for mental health, they can actually be good for cognitive function. And this is from the APA. While one widely held view maintains that playing video games is intellectually lazy, they've obviously never played Best Fiends. Clearly. Such play actually may strengthen a range of cognitive skills such as spatial navigation, reasoning, memory, and perception. This is particularly true for shooter video games, which are often violent. A 2013 meta an- another meta analysis found that mm-hmm. playing shooter video Not what games. That means. I know, I just don't <laughs> it like is it. now. Zuckerberg ruins everything. <laughs> I know that's not really this. what that means. <laughs> I know. Found that playing shooter video games improved a player's capacity to think about objects in three in three dimensions just as well as academic courses designed to enhance these same skills. This enhanced thinking was not found when playing other types of video games such as puzzles or role-playing games. Well, shit. Yeah. They're valuable. Yep. Well, I mean, like, look at the military. There's a lot mm. of training that goes on. That's virtual. Yeah. Virtual reality, basically. That's basically basically video games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's my segment. Interesting. Uh, Really something. Uh, Well done. All right. Well, we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsors, and then we're going to hear my case. Okay. Wait. Three cheers for a long weekend. Love it. Everyone loves a long weekend, and you've got one coming your way. And Brooklinen has no shortage of savings on all things comfort to celebrate your extra day of lounging. Oh, yeah. Yes. There is literally no place I'd rather be than in my bed. Yup. And when I'm in my bed, if I'm wearing anything at all, I hope ah. it's a Brooklyn in robe or loungewear. Or eye Heck mask. Yeah. Or eye mask or all of the above. They just have fabulous products and being mm-hmm. comfy and cozy is the key to happiness. Mm-hmm. So save on all the comforts that you crave with this weekend's President's Day sale at Brooklyn. 
Brooklyn Inc. covers your bases on comfort for every corner of your space, so you can wrap up in Brooklyn Inn's signature sheets and see exactly what those 100,000 five-star reviews are raving about. I love all of my Brooklyn Inn products, and oh. the sheets are heavenly and cloud-like. Take a seat in a signature sheet. If my sheets are in the laundry, <laughs> like my Brooklyn and sheets, and I have to mm-hmm. use a different sheet. Yeah. Oh, a lesser sheet. A lesser sheet. I'm less than pleased. Yeah. Uh, no thanks. Brooklyn and or bust. <laughs> always. So don't sleep on savings. Brooklyn and President's Day sale is right around the corner. Listening after the sale? Well, guess what? You can still get the deals of your dreams at brooklinen.com with promo code GALS. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com slash GALS and treat your sleep. Framebridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without ever leaving the house. Our favorite. Oh, it's our favorite hobby. You can add a gallery wall to your home office. I have one in my home office. It's right behind me mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Or send the perfect gift. I gifted a lot of Framebridge this last Christmas, and it was great. So yep. did I. That was Same. my mom's like big gift. That's what she mm-hmm. requested. Mm-hmm. So from art prints and diplomas to the photos just sitting on your phone collecting cyber dust, mm-hmm. you can frame bridge just about anything. I love frame bridging pictures from my phone when like Bill and I go on a trip, yeah. which is so few and far between now mm-hmm. in these unprecedented times that it feels like extra super special. So I love getting those photos framed. And it's just so easy. So here's how it works. You go to framebridge.com and upload your photo. Or if you have a physical item, they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. You preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. You know I have a gallery wall in like every room in my damn house. You're a maximalist. I'm a maximalist. (laughs) And it's all thanks to Framebridge. They have made my dreams come true. Then you choose your favorite frames or you can do what I do because overwhelm can set in and you can get free recommendations from their talented designers. And the experts at Framebridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang, like literally all the hardware except the wall and the hammer. It is so easy. Mm -hmm. And instead of the hundreds you'd pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, our listeners will get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when they use our code WINECRIME. So order online at framebridge.com or stop by a Framebridge store to work with a designer in person if you're in New York, D.C., Atlanta, Philly, Boston, or Chicago. Love all those places. Me too. So get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code WINECRIME to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com, promo code WINECRIME, framebridge.com, promo code WINECRIME, and treat your walls. Treat them. Are we ready for my case? Potentially. (laughs) It's not very dark. Well, it's not, because I did the fan pick case. Yeah. <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's it's dark in the sense of capitalism ruins everything. Great. Oh, yeah. Realistic okay. dark. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So one Friday morning in the fall of 2016, great vintage, mm-hmm. 
People across the eastern seaboard began to notice something strange. When they went to access websites that had become part of their daily routines, they found that many of them were down from Spotify to Reddit to Twitter to Netflix to the New York Times. I remember this. Yeah, this was kind of freaky. It soon became clear that these simultaneous outages were no coincidence. The websites had fallen victim to what was known as a distributed denial of service attack, or I don't know, I think you say DDoS? Let's say it. DDoS is just how I said it. DDoS. DDoS it is. DDoS. I don't know. DDoS. Takes you off, then we'll DDoS about it. (laughs) Takes me DDoS. Ooh, I don't know what wine that is, but it's past her prime. Uh-oh. Okay, so specifically the attack had targeted a tech company called Din or maybe Dyne Dynasty. We don't know Dynasty. how to say anything. Duck Dynasty. <laughs> Got it. Duck Dynasty. Duck Dynasty, which had provided a range of services that made it a key part of the Internet's backbone. No big deal. Mm. But this was far from the first such major DDoS attack. Uh-oh. In France, an internet service provider called OVH, Jonathan Van Ness, had recently experienced a similarly crippling <laughs> attack. DDoS attacks are not necessarily uncommon, but ones on like this massive scale are. So in America in the fall of 2016, such an attack was of particular concern as the country was only weeks away from one of the most contentious political elections in its history. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Follow, followed only by this the one podcast. after it. <laughs> this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah, launched this podcast, that election did. Millennials have lived through enough world-changing events. We to, don't need meta. We're good. <laughs> two elections where the winner lost the popular vote. Ugh. It's fine. Reports of attempted foreign interference in the election process were already rampant, but not studied by fucking James Comey, who instead decided to announce that he was relaunching an investigation into Hillary Clinton, but it's fine. And the successful attack on (laughs) such a huge swath of the internet stoked fears that a foreign entity might be able to tamper with the technology involved in voting machines. Mm Mm-hmm. As investigators worked to trace the source of the attack, it was at first almost universally agreed that whoever was responsible was already a major player on the global stage. They were just like, anyone that could shut down fucking Reddit, Twitter, Spotify, and the New York Times all yeah. at the same time has got to already be Well, and they in were looking major. into like, they were looking into groups like Anonymous, but I don't think even Anonymous had taken down that many entities at once. Whether or not they have the capability to do it, they usually pretty specifically target like one major mm-hmm. disruption. So they this were- was like a huge deal because it was so many simultaneous networks that were not owned and operated by the same umbrella company. Right. They were not on the same network at all. Mm-hmm. So... As one expert stated soon after the attack, quote, we don't know who is doing this, but it feels like a large nation state. China or Russia would be my first guesses. And like both have government funded. I mean, so do we. So does Mm -hmm. the U.S. like government funded hackers and cyber spies and whatever. And also like private ones that Mm -hmm. the government kind of looks the other way for as long as they're attacking 
the right people. Mm-hmm. But the truth turned out to be much, much stranger. Oh, my God. As cybersecurity experts worked to trace the source of the attack, they definitively tied it to a powerful malware called Mirai. The name Mirai comes from the Japanese word for future and was likely named after an anime series called Mirai Nikki. By the time the Duck Dynasty attack occurred, Mirai had already been on the FBI's radar for several months. In addition to the attack on France's internet... Mirai had also been responsible for a targeted attack on the website of an internet security reporter named Brian Krebs. So there Brian was... Gumble. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Walter Cronkite. <laughs> At yahoo.com. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's a Yahoo. He's an AOL. He's a Yahooser. oh my god so the combination of these two attacks made investigators take notice of this new malware which was much more powerful than anything they had seen before so from the initial attacks we realized this is a quote we realized that something was very different from your normal ddos according to doug klein an fbi agent who worked on the case so they're like seeing this new malware pop up It's doing big things. It's fucking up shit in France. And then it's fucking up this like cyber investigative reporter. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hmm, we got to keep an eye on this because this is very powerful. Brian Gumble was not having it. Mm -mm. (laughs) Nobody takes away his mahjong. (laughs) Nobody puts Uh Brian Gumble in a corner. (laughs) (laughs) And Mirai wasn't just powerful. It was cunningly designed. And one might even say, Elegant in its simplicity. Okay. The way it worked was by scanning the so-called Internet of Things. Basically, any physical object that connects to the Internet. Like a fucking refrigerator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For devices that still used the manufacturer's default security settings, which is like a lot of fucking devices. Oh, yeah. Who messes with that shit? Right. Yeah. Since it was very common for users to never change default usernames and passwords, like even on their Wi-Fi networks, like the Wi-Fi routers. Mm -hmm. My router is definitely the name and password it came with. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's better than password123, I guess, unless you're this malware. Mm -hmm. Mirai was able to amass a powerful arsenal of weaponized electronics, which had been hijacked without their owners ever suspecting anything. Yeah, because who's going to, like, change the password on their, like, refrigerator? Or even your, like, washing machine now. Mm -hmm. But -hmm. also that kind of shit that's, like, your your ring doorbell or, like, Mm -hmm. your interior. You know, like, a lot of parents have, like, cameras in their Mm -hmm. kids' playrooms and Mm -hmm. shit. It's scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's all on one central network in your home. Yep. So they can control all of your shit. Your panic room doors. Yep. Mm-hmm. It would later be determined that Mirai infected nearly 65,000 devices in the first 20 hours of its existence and soon grew to an estimated 600,000 infections. Oh, Jesus shit. Christ. They definitely watched me poop. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> Yeah. If I was targeted, that's the only footage you got, pal. (laughs) This phone has seen a lot. My my smart fridge is in my bathroom, so fuck you. (laughs) 
like a smart like, bidet. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Up close and personal. Equipped with camera so I can make sure everything's clean. <laughs> Not my fault you hacked in there. So these infected devices could then be used to launch targeted attacks by directing an unanticipated flood of network clogging traffic to specific websites. So they're not, this specific attack wasn't trying to like see through your ring doorbell or Mm. like hear what you're saying in your living room. Right. It was just taking whatever device it could get a hold of And that device was still functioning for the user Mm -hmm. doing whatever it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they were using it to connect to Reddit or whatever and just flood these specific websites with so much unanticipated traffic. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they were just using it as a means to an end, not to control your fridge or whatever. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. So one source described it as akin to targeting a small sandwich shop by sending 300 people in there at the same time unexpectedly, mm-hmm. which is incidentally also what Corey's family did to him when he opened his restaurant. <laughs> that was a targeted malware attack on the shelves. It super was. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Y'all were They're trying to take us down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, we're supporting you. No, you're not. <laughs> too much traffic. It's that hug hurts too much. You're hugging too hard. <laughs> Get back in your caravan. <laughs> Go Can we just home. sprinkle this out? Come back at 3 p.m. on a Wednesday, please. <laughs> so according to FBI investigator Elliot Peterson, DDoS, quote, DDoS at a certain scale poses an existential threat to the internet. Mirai was the first botnet I've seen that hit that ex- existential level. So if other attacks like this happen and they can control t- millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of devices yeah, it's versus 600,000. Like mm-hmm. It's almost like this was just a practice run to see if they could do it. Take it. Take the internet down. Yeah, because really all they were doing was clogging servers so that mm-hmm. it was creating mass inconvenience, but it wasn't actually breaching data walls or at that in Mm -hmm. that case it was just making things annoying it was a dry run Mm -hmm. it makes it really makes you wonder what kind of tech they're testing out well we will get to the reason why they were doing it and it wasn't just to fuck with people but that Mm -hmm. was a big part of it but even as the threat of Mirai was clear, whoever was behind it and their motivations remained a mystery. Mm-hmm. So this despite the fact that it seemed that whoever had created the malware was bragging about it on hacker message boards using the name Anna Senpai, which is another anime reference. Mm-hmm. And like, it's believed that those messages on those hacker boards were legit and not just like random people trying or, to yeah, claim like a credit. Fake person, yeah, getting internet points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And although the FBI had been following Mariah's development, it wasn't until the attack on Brian Krebs, the reporter Brian on his Gumbel. website, that they seriously prioritized tracking down its creator because, like, there are a lot of fucking different malware sh- things that happen mm-hmm. and they, they can't track them all. No. Mm-hmm. So according to Peterson, quote, this is a strange development, a journalist being silenced because someone has figured out a tool powerful enough to silence him that is worrisome. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this malware was being used to target this specific journalist was Mm -hmm. like, you know, significant piqued the FBI's interest. 
So as the FBI began to focus their investigation, they began to notice something unexpected. Specifically, Peterson recalls asking, quote, why are these Minecraft servers getting mm. hit so often? Uh-oh. Which we didn't talk about at the top, but like along with these other big websites, it was a lot of Minecraft mm-hmm. getting yeah. hit. And although this focus on Minecraft may at first seem silly, the game actually makes up a pretty massive chunk of the internet. Mm-hmm. Minecraft, a sandbox game with no set objective... Yep, you just build stuff. I I, I, I don't know, know anything about yeah, Minecraft. I'm straight up just like, okay, you know what, Lucy, you do know something about Minecraft without knowing it. It's kind of like in Animal Crossing when you go into the creator studio, how you can make your own designs. Oh, yeah, I don't like doing that. It's too complicated. <laughs> yeah, I'm really bad at it too, but Minecraft is sort of built like that where it's like pixelized but also in 3D and you're building structures with blocks of like, not any different shapes, but you can get different colors and textures and things. It's and like then, Legos. Yeah. It's like online Legos in a massive connected online community where you can like visit each other's worlds and see what they've built. Mm. What? Like it if, is if like you, Animal Crossing. You know how you were talking about kids who are like into erector sets? Yeah. Like yeah. it's that kind of shit. It's like building stuff from scratch with a very specific set of limited materials and seeing how like vast and creative you can get. Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about Minecraft. If you had asked me, I would have thought it was like a shooter. I thought it was like game. <laughs> I thought I thought it was one of those games you could play on your graphing calculator. <laughs> I mean, maybe it originated Boobs. like that. I don't know. Boobs, snake. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. That's legit, I just, what I thought boobless. Minecraft was. Boobless. boobless. That was the big one. That was yeah. the big one. Hello. Yeah. Hello. I was <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> Hello. What was that? Four three one one zero or whatever. Oh no. Well was Hello. zero was zero wait, it would have had to have been point because you it was upside down, so it was backwards. Point zero oh, one yeah. one three four. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, so, we're smart. <laughs> so Minecraft, a sandbox game with no set objective. Yeah, yeah that's not wrong. Fascinating. <laughs> makes up a huge chunk of the internet. It is the second best-selling video game ever behind only Tetris. Yeah. Wow. Well, literally anyone of any age can play it because mm-hmm. it's like children play it and adults play it. Yeah. Okay. It has 122 million registered users. Larger than the entire country of Egypt. <laughs> I'm just picturing the country of Egypt playing mm-hmm. Minecraft. Everyone in Egypt no sitting down and exceptions. playing Minecraft. <laughs> what, all day long, every day. Mm-hmm. It has been estimated that 55 million people play Minecraft each month with as many as 1 million online at any given time. So that's a lot of servers yep. to like keep that machine running. And they're mm-hmm. all ta- all these players are talking to each other, so it's mm-hmm. not like just in your device. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So the massive usership and the nature of the game has made it a platform where certain entrepreneurial users are able to make significant money. Individual hosted servers which allow users to link together in multiplayer mode. Is this like a LAN party? Uh, it's not a LAN party because they're not on the same network. It's like online play, though. Okay. A LAN party is like when you're all on the same in the same room, right? So you're yeah, all you're connected like in to the, the same, same room, plugged server. into the same server. Well, whatever. Okay, so they they're on individual hosted servers and they link together in multiplayer mode. Mm-hmm. 
So maybe able- that is kind of like a remote LAN. Yeah. Are able know. to create their own subtly different versions of the game by setting their own rules and installing their own plugins. So they can be like, I feel like it's like when you play poker and you're like, okay, now we're going to do Texas Hold'em, but with Minecraft. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So these servers vary widely in size. Some host a half dozen friends, you know, who are just like playing together as buddies. And then others will host tens of thousands of strangers and they're like competitions and whatever. So players then can pay real money to join these specific versions of the game as well as paying to purchase things like in-game tools that are specific to a certain server. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, what's that other game that you... Fortnite. Fortnite's not a building game. That's sort of like a shooting game. Right. But you yeah. can, like, buy things in the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So <laughs> Peterson recalls that after digging into the financials of some of these Minecraft hosts... Quote, I went into my boss's office and said, am I crazy? It looks like people are making a ton of money. These people at the peak of summer were making $100,000 a month. Oh, my God. Why the fuck are we podcasters? (laughs) Because we don't know how to do this. Maybe you could. Insane amount of money. I can barely even describe what I read about it. You're doing a great job, but I could I could not do this. That so, was very kind of you to say maybe I could, <laughs> but you are so far off base. So yeah. these people are like program like like programming different products to sell to other players. They're digital products. Mm, no, they're no. not like creating them from scratch, as far as I understand. But you can like I don't know exactly how they do it in game. I don't on my on uh what's it called Fortnite because I've never played it but like it's the way I imagine it is you could probably like buy or purchase upgrades to like gear in games like that and that there might be an in-game store because even with like Nintendo you can buy like Nintendo coin credits for your Nintendo account so you can buy things in game or download new games and stuff through your account. Mm-hmm. So I'm I wonder if there's stuff like, like that in some of these. Like, with Animal Crossing, you all have different islands, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine if somebody had, like, a really dope island that a lot of people wanted to visit, and you wanted to visit that island, but you had to, like, pay the troll toll to be able to visit Mm. that island to play for the day. Like the Danny DeVito island. Okay, sure. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how, that's what I'm picturing. Like, it's like a cool little club that exists within the overarching game. Like, okay, online play. Okay. Right? I'm right, fine sure. with accepting the idea that we're totally wrong and we can just think, yeah, think uh, whatever. Think it doesn't what it, matter. <laughs> Everything is dust. Right. And the lucrative nature of hosting Minecraft servers brings us back to these DDoS attacks. So these attacks became common in Minecraft as a way to lure users away from a competitor by slowing down another server enough so that players would grow frustrated with that server and leave and bounce and go to the desired server. Okay, so they're uh, like sabotage. Luring people. Yeah, they're sabotaging. Yeah. They're like they're redirecting traffic. They're redirecting mm-hmm. traffic. It's like it's like in the Italian job when it's like, but what if we had all green lights? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. And got then it. they, they okay. turn it to all red lights for Edward Norton. Okay. That is it. an got excellent got it, got it, got it. comparison. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you. It all circles back to the Italian job. Oh, yeah. Everything does. Been saying it for years. <laughs> so 
Once this connection to the game was established, all the pieces began to fall into place for the FBI investigators. So it turned out that the French internet host that had been attacked, Jonathan Van Ness, OVH, mm-hmm. was known for offering a service called... What does called that have to do with... Nothing. Okay. It's just she in just my brain. It sounds like JVN. Yeah. So she keeps reading They it are like, three letters. It's, it's very similar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> was known for offering a service called VAC, whose primary Jonathan purpose was Van to... Jonathan Van Ness, whose primary purpose was to protect against DDoS attacks on Minecraft. So the re- they realized that the reason this French attack happened wasn't just testing the waters in France against this one fucking company. Mm-hmm. It was actually targeting that firm because that firm was preventing their Minecraft fuckery. Oh, so they wanted to take it down. Uh, yes. To turn that light from red to green. Thank you. Mm, nice. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So the attackers were presumably not trying to wipe out the internet of a major European country. They were just trying to take down a service that made it harder to successfully attack other Minecraft servers. There it it's is. a victimless crime. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so investigators began finding other Minecraft links all over Mirai. So they're like, oh, my God, it all it's all related to Minecraft. It all adds up the uh, red string. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> According to it's one all source. all connected, man. <laughs> all roads lead to... Rome in Italy and the Italian job. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Quote, Mirai was originally developed to help them corner the Minecraft market, but then they realized what a powerful tool they built. Then it just became a challenge for them to make it as large as possible. So then they were like, oh, this is actually really fucking good. And let's see like how much we can fuck with. Mm-hmm. On September 30th, 2016, after Mirai began getting significant media coverage following the French attack and the journalist Brian Krebs attack, the creator of Mirai posted the malware's source code to the website Hack Forum. Mm -hmm. This was clearly a strategic move to create plausible deniability should they be caught possessing the source code. Mm. It was now widely available online and anyone could possess it. So then they're just trying to like cover their tracks a little bit. Mm-hmm. The release of the source code also had the effect, though, of opening the malware to much, much wider use. Oops. Now, anybody They're could play with it. losing control of it. Nope. Between September of 2016 and February of 2017, when this podcast launched, Mirai was responsible for at least 15,194 DDoS attacks. Oh, Whoa, that's a lot. Those are a lot of attacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know I get attacks. Mm. So the FBI was able to ultimately trace Mirai to a 21-year-old Rutgers student. Of course. From, a nerd. From Some suburban nerd. New Jersey. <laughs> some nerd. Some brilliant He's fucking nerd. He's got some nerd. He's got some nerd. <laughs> named Paras Ja and two of his college-age friends named Josiah White and Dalton Norman. All of these sound like fucking fake names. Dalton Norman. <laughs> The king of nerds. The nerdiest name. Fucking king nerd over here. Dalton Norman. Dalton Norman. (laughs) So White and Dalton Norman lived outside of Pittsburgh and New Orleans, respectively. 
Parascha, the first one, the one from suburban New Jersey, was a computer savant from a young age. No shit. (laughs) And he supposedly wrote the original source code and was the face of the malware online. And he was the one posting with the anime names on the hacker forums. Mm -hmm. This has such QAnon documentary vibes. Totally. Doesn't it? That do- if you haven't watched that documentary on HBO, it's unbelievable. It's so good. Got big nerd energy. Mm-hmm. BNE. BNE. So he was like the main guy, but then the other two guys played specific roles in making, in enhancing Mirai, basically. Mm-hmm. All three were detained by the FBI and questioned about their roles in the attacks. The arrest of Paras Ja also solved a long-running mystery for Rutgers University. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's why everyone got A's that semester. (laughs) Wait a minute. We had a lot of valedictorians. (laughs) Well, for the past two years, they're all Amanda graduated. Wait a minute. For the past two years, their online systems had been suffering from regular and crippling attacks during vital times like <laughs> midterms, finals, and class registration period. You don't say. All of these servers are just overloaded. Yeah. I don't know what is going on. No other universities nearby are having these same issues. How oh, odd. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) these attacks had coincided with an unnamed individual reaching out to the university to suggest that they should purchase better DDoS mitigation services, which, as it turned out, was the exact business that Ja was trying to launch himself. (laughs) So he was was green green lights. (laughs) He was attacking them and then was like, hey, have you been experiencing attacks? That's Would you like to stop experiencing attacks? That's Try some my problem software. you've got here. <laughs> I love just it. Basically just like an a entrepreneurial. Reverse, yeah, I like it's it. It's like a reverse organized crime. It'd I be a shame it. if something happened to it. He just yeah. like did the bad thing first. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Brilliant. So as for the non-Rutgers attacks, the three young men claimed that they hadn't intended to bring down the internet. Uh, Oops. (laughs) Yeah, that was an oopsie. In the words of a 2017 profile in Wired magazine, quote, what drove them wasn't anarchist politics or shadowy ties to a nation state. It was Minecraft. (laughs) 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 And just money, basically. Right. But also Minecraft. (laughs) That's so amazing. taking down Reddit and the New York Times wasn't the goal. No, it was a happy oopsie. <laughs> they they must have woken up that morning and been like, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I can't log on to Spotify. <laughs> so because of the nature of DDoS attacks, it was basically impossible to determine which ones they had been directly responsible for versus like other people had used the source code after they posted right. it. But like. One of the attacks was definitely carried out by someone else, but anyway. And although Mirai was a very dangerous tool, those in the courtroom often seemed a bit baffled by the nature of the crime. It's a lot to try to explain to a jury. Yeah. Oh my God, like that fucking Senate hearing when the lady is trying to explain Finsta. (laughs) Will you promise to end Finsta? Yeah, build the wall and end Finsta. And they're just like... Oh, like a fake Instagram. Oh. 
it's a, I, they think it's I like can't. an acronym, a shadowy yes, acronym. Or, yeah, yeah, or something it, like a program. <laughs> Quote, I've certainly been made to feel very old and unable to keep up. Prosecutor Adam Alexander joked. <laughs> <laughs> indeed by the time the three were arrested for their roles in using mirai in the ddos attacks they had already moved on to something new and more sophisticated so like yep. by the time the fbi actually figured out all this shit they had moved on to something new oh this is why we get so bored <laughs> of advances in technology it's because too of fast. exactly this it's too fucking fast yeah mm-hmm. They were using their botnet, so the hundreds of thousands of user devices that they had infected and and created as their own bots that they now controlled, Mm -hmm. to run an elaborate and lucrative click fraud scheme. Love. Love a click fraud. Directing about 100,000 compromised devices, mostly home-run routers and modems, to visit advertising links en masse making it appear that they were regular computer users. So they were like, great, we get paid per click. Mm-hmm. We control 100,000 microwaves. Yeah. And they're all going to click this. And right. they all come from different households. That it won't look sus. Yeah. I mean, it won't look immediately sus. Like right. someone would have to look into it. Right. This was a plot line in Silicon Valley, that HBO show. I believe show. it. Yeah. So they were making, this is still a quote. They were making thousands of dollars a month defrauding U.S. and European advertisers entirely off of the radar with no one the wiser. It was, as far as investigators could tell, a groundbreaking business model for an IoT business model, I guess. (laughs) If all you're measuring is clicks. Right. Yeah. Yeah, one of those. I'm telling you, a victimless crime. The birds with the water in the belly that just tilt back and forth. Yes, that's an episode of The Simpsons. It's like a virtual version of that. Yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, Ja White and Norman Dalton, Dalton Norman, (laughs) Dalton Norman, all pleaded guilty to conspiracy to violate the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act for their roles in creating and using Mirai, citing their, quote, extraordinary cooperation with the government. So they sang like canaries. Yeah. I mean, they can't handle prison. Like yeah. their master, their their <laughs> masterminds in not the criminal variety. Like they're just not. They would they're have just like, not go in federal like, prison. Not even like hackers. Like they no. just wanted to make money, right? And play Minecraft. Yeah. I get right. it. They wanted to make money gaming a system that's already like fucked, shitty, and corrupt. So like, yeah. let them fucking fuck with it. So what if you have to pay under? Maybe sketchy circumstances yeah. accompany to these fucking brilliant kids. Also, if you, anybody wants yeah, to hire hack and make it kids. look like we have a lot more downloads than we have. Step right <laughs> up, baby. We don't pay. We, we won't, don't we won't go pay to jail. You, but if you want to just do it for fun and not give us any information about you doing it. Yep. Go I'm ahead. fine with it. Okay. <laughs> I think you just solicited criminal activity, but. No. Not if I don't pay for it. Okay. So a judge <laughs> it's a comedy show. <laughs> You're paid in karma. So a judge sentenced the three men to probation, community service, and fines. So they will not be going to prison. No. Good. Ja, yeah, who received the harshest sentence, was ordered to complete 2,500 hours of community service, Ooh. six months home confinement, which like, haven't we all sounds nice and ordered to pay 8.6 million in restitution 
But they didn't yeah. say he can never do it again, so he could probably raise that money mm-hmm. pretty quick. <laughs> He's like, no problem. Give they me didn't... an afternoon. Yep. How many microwaves you got? Yeah, how many microwaves you got? Get them all clicking. I mean, probably what they did was like technically illegal, but it's also not really their fault that there were so many areas of like that they were able to do that. That should have been stopped. Mm. Yeah. It could have been a lot worse. Mm. Yeah. Uh, If they were really in the like the wrong hands. Well, yeah. Yeah. But Mirai is now out of its creator's hands yeah, and continues true, to live on. Code. So mm, that's scary. That's right. Yeah. According to Justin Payne, director of Adidas mitigation company, a legit one, not one made up by the person creating <laughs> the attacks, presumably. Not, not one filling the need yeah. for creating the, need the need that they created. Yeah. <laughs> Called Cloudflare. Quote, there's a significant ongoing risk that's continued as the open source code has been repurposed by new actors. All these new updated versions are still out there. Mm. So change all your passwords. Eh. I say that, but like, I'm not going to do that. Hey, hack me and (laughs) click away, honey. I mean, steal my identity. You'll increase my credit. I say it all the time. Let's go. When we were in Palm Springs... There was a TV in the house we were staying at, and my sister was logging into her Netflix so we could watch Queer Eye. And on Apple, did TVs, your mother freak out? No, on Apple TVs you can just spell it, so you don't have to like type in, you know, mm-hmm. like br- you like know out loud. You can spell it. Yeah, you can just say yeah. like whatever. And she was like. Nobody listen. I don't want you to know my passwords. And I was like, nobody I, listen. I said. I said I put a hundred dollars down that it's the name of your cat and oh, yeah. a very specific sequence of numbers. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. say it out loud. And then she just proceeds to look sad and just spell exactly what I said out loud. She's like, I'm gonna change this when I get home. <laughs> That's a true sister. Knowing exactly what that bitch's password is. Oh, that's so fucking funny. And nobody (laughs) listen, mom and sister. Nobody listen. Cover your ears. (laughs) Oh my! I love that when whenever Bill is like in in his office or like doing something too quiet. In the other room when I'm shitting. quiet. <laughs> like if he's toddler. too quiet when I'm in the other room shitting, and the, my other room being the bathroom where I'm supposed to shit. <laughs> <laughs> I always just, when I close the door, I go, don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to think of Madeline's little face. Don't listen. <laughs> Spelling it into the Apple TV like remote. <laughs> kind of sad oh God, well your so parents funny. always just had the post-it with the computer password on the computer monitor yeah, <laughs> yeah. they like really did years. they now really did on, have that now it's on the obit cabinet behind yeah. the kitchen oh, oh thank you for letting giving us that update yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i feel like you it's don't. safer to have it written down on paper than it is to store it in like a virtual capacity my mom's know. Wi-Fi password is on the tiniest little strip of paper, scotch taped to the back of her television remote. Oh my god, <laughs> mom! Uh, Corey's parents 
God. <laughs> no, this is like wild they in the opposite direction. They are all going to have fucking heart attacks that we're revealing this information. They're going to call us and be like, you're going to get my identity no. stolen. You told everyone where my past Corey's is. dad is a fucking freak and he <laughs> he has everyone's social security numbers memorized like uh, he Ugh. he he remembers like number sequences God, and so okay. he has a whole random nice. number letter sequence password for their wi-fi and nobody knows it except for him he stores it in his head so when someone needs to like you. connect to the internet he like does it himself like nobody else knows it. Oh my Phenomenal. god. What if he has, has a stroke or something? Yep. Well, you're just fucked. Yeah, well. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll hire those note. kids in New Jersey to just hack in. <laughs> oh my god. Well, you're just fucked. All right. How about a word from our sponsor? <laughs> okay, fine. Relationships are important, like connecting with other people. One might say the key to life. Vital. (laughs) We are pack animals. Cornerstone of humanity. (laughs) Yeah, but like seriously, isolation is one of the most dangerous spaces that you could be in, both physically and psychologically. And in times like these... Having someone you trust and love to talk to is more important than ever. But even the best relationships, they can hit a few bumps in the road. We've all been there. You can sometimes feel unheard. You can have the same argument over and over again. Mm -hmm. I am checking a lot of these boxes. Mm -hmm. Or you might just not know how to move forward in your life. And Talkspace gives you unlimited access to a licensed therapist. So you can clear up the confusion and focus on what matters most, being the best person you can be absolutely my husband and i are both big fans of therapy both individual Mm -hmm. and couples we've been together oh my god i think like 13 a hundred years basically a (laughs) hundred years since we were embryos and um yeah i mean we both love talk space and now that they also offer couples therapy I'm just so thrilled because we can work on our relationship together and, you know, one-on-one. It's mm-hmm. it's so important. So everybody's struggles and challenges are unique, and you deserve to talk to someone who really understands that and is going to really help you make your life all that it can be. So mm-hmm. whether you've been married for a year, a hundred years, like a hundred years, <laughs> <laughs> or you're re-entering the dating scene, or you're just trying to get comfortable with being single, or you want, you know, to make your dating life what it could be, talking mm-hmm. to a therapist can help because no relationship is perfect. It's they're nope. not they can't even really necessarily be like classified or like labeled as Oh, good. Or, you know, Mm. I don't know. They're all different. But with the right tools and insight, your relationships can get stronger every day with Talkspace. So join Talkspace today and start the journey to happier, healthier relationships. Just visit Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month when you use promo code GALS at sign up. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com, promo code GALS, and treat your brain. Treat it. Are you possibly in a relationship or in love with somebody who maybe tells the same story about their Canada border crossing <laughs> over and over again? That and one over time again. at TSA. 
<laughs> this is starting to feel oddly specific, but sure, or, yeah. Or maybe somebody who likes to completely starfish the bed. Oh, yeah. Yep. Also, I'm yep. guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Look, relationships are not perfect, which is why MeUndies is celebrating our imperfectly perfect matches with their new Valentine's Day collection. It's so cute. It's so cute. Me and Bill's set arrived like two days ago and I squealed <laughs> when we opened yep. it. I was so excited. Oh, little teal and pink hearts. They're so Get cute. Get out of here. They're so cute. And uh, Corey and I also have our Star Wars matching onesies still. Same. And even if we're like home alone on a Tuesday night and we just get dressed up in our little onesies, it just feels like a little mm-hmm. party. I love it. It's just a stupid little fun thing to do together. So that's why I love having matching undies with my partner. So, mm-hmm. so gifting underwear for Valentine's Day, it's groundbreaking. Take it <laughs> yes. from us. But gifting matching underwear for you and your significant other, now we're cooking with gas. With gas. <laughs> Maybe literally. Express your one-of-a-kind relationship when you match your bottom half to your better half in fun limited edition prints. If you're single, you can mingle in matching pairs with your friends or your family. You can either get you can even get dog hoodies. Yeah. Uh they're so cute. Or buddy bands to match your four-legged Ugh. BFF. I love that. That's my so babies cute. need buddy bands. They really do. Oh my god, that's the cutest thing. Also, be sure to check out all of Me Undies' super cute and super soft undies, socks, bralettes, loungewear. I cannot speak highly enough mm-hmm. of their underwear and also their like loungewear pants. Mm-hmm. They're just so so dang soft. And a whole lot more available in sizes extra small to 4XL. You gotta check it out. Yes, and MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For a limited time only, get 25% off your first order of matching pairs for Valentine's Day. And as a first-time purchaser, you can also get 15% off and free shipping right to your door. So... To get 25% off matching pairs, 15% off your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash gals. That's MeUndies.com slash gals. And treat your undies. Um, Single-use plastic is so 2000. Yeah, boom. <laughs> and guess what? It's 2022, which means Woo! it is way past time to make cleaning fun, beautiful, and plastic-free. Yes. Uh, I love a plastic-free cleaning experience, and Blue Land makes it so easy. Their idea is simple. It's gorgeous. You buy the bottle once, you refill it forever. No more plastic waste. The only thing you need to discard is your outdated idea that eco-friendly products are more expensive and less effective. Seriously, people, I have replaced every cleaning product mm-hmm. in my house with a Blue Land product. My house has never smelled better. Mm-hmm. I have never saved more money on cleaning products. And I have like pets. Yeah. And a very, very got a expressive chef. Yeah. <laughs> my partner likes to cook with everything with in the house. With gusto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like these are not small jobs that I am cleaning up. <laughs> You just fill Blue Land's beautiful Instagrammable bottles with warm water. You pop in one of the hand soap or spray cleaner tablets. And within minutes, you have powerful cleaning products in the most incredible sense, such as 
iris agave, mm-hmm. perine lemon, mm-hmm. lavender eucalyptus. Yes. Your scents are out of this world. It's like spa level beautiful mm-hmm. scents. I can't even. So from their best-selling clean essentials kit to their hand soap duo and plastic-free laundry and dishwasher tablets, I have all of them and the toilet tablets. Oh my god. I gosh. love the toilet tablets. They're so good. I've never liked cleaning my toilet, but now <laughs> I'm into it. Tablet. I, I'm super into it. I have four bathrooms. I go through a lot of toilet tablets. You need the ta- yeah, you need the tablets. Blue Land has something for every inch of your home. And the tablets were actually gone for a minute and they're back by very popular demand. I feel personally responsible. I'm like <laughs> buying all Sorry, of their guys. toilet tablets. <laughs> the Blue Lens Toilet Tablet Cleaner. Seriously, get it before it sells out again. I'm going to buy all of them, so run, run, run. <laughs> Blue Lens stunning high-quality forever bottles start at just $10 when you buy a kit and are meant to be reused forever with money-saving refill tablets that start at just two bucks. Those are high-quality bottles. The bottles are adorable. We, like, leave them out. Yeah, they're, like, pretty. They're, like, yeah. you know, kind of, like, pastel-y. Like yeah, we leave them blues. by the sink. I love them. Because, A, they're cute, and, B, it makes it look like we consistently clean our home. It's a win-win. <laughs> so try Blue Land today. You will love it, and the planet will thank you. And right now you can get 20% off your first order when you go to blueland.com slash gals20, G-A-L-S-2-0. That's 20% off your first order of any Blueland products at blueland.com slash gals20, blueland.com slash gals20, and treat you clean. Treat it. All right. Are you ready for my case? Yeah. Maybe. It's a fan pick, so it's going to be sad. <laughs> That's horrible. Why do you do this? <laughs> Vanderveen. Van, you beast. You beast. You beast. Okay. <laughs> yes, this is the fan pick case. It's super fucking sad. Here we go. Great. Nathan Gerard Dunlap was a troubled kid. He was born in 1974 in Chicago, Illinois, to his single mother, and never knew his biological father. His mother married when Nathan was still a baby, and his stepfather officially adopted him as his own son. The family moved around a lot, spending time in Michigan and Tennessee before settling down near Aurora, Colorado in 1984 when Nathan was 10 years old. Wait, is this that case out of Aurora, Colorado? I don't know, because there's a lot of them, actually. Yeah. Aurora yeah. has a very troubled past. Yeah. All right. So, okay. sending love. Okay. Mental health issues ran in the family with Nathan's mother managing a bipolar disorder and schizophrenia diagnosis. It's likely that Nathan was suffering from similar disorders, and he actually did attempt suicide multiple times at the age of 14. He was recommended to the school psychiatrist and was suspected to suffer from something called hypomania, which is classified by periods of overactive and excited behavior that can have a significant impact on your day-to-day life. But there was no formal diagnosis, and this was the 80s, so understanding of things like ADHD in teens wasn't as prevalent as it was even a few years later. And like crazy medications for things because they didn't fucking understand them. Mm-hmm. It's also important to point out that Nathan is a young boy of color, so it's likely that his needs were not properly addressed because of systemic racism. Mm. So, I mean, there could have been a diagnosis that was more significant. There could have been methods to manage his mental health. Time and systemic yep. problems are stacking up against this. Correct. Mm-hmm. They absolutely are. Which does not forgive what happens in this case, but these are just, you know, Important things to mention. Okay. 
So he started to engage in dangerous activities, getting picked up several times at the age of 15 for armed robbery. And he spent a lot of time in and out of juvenile detention as well as psychiatric hospitals. I am not sure how he gained access to a firearm. I did not see that in my research, but he got one. So probably won one in a fucking vending raffle. This is America. Yeah. Got one at a Taco Bell drive-thru. In May of 1993, he was hired at Chuck E. Cheese in Aurora to work in the kitchen. The job seemed to be going well for several months, but a scheduling dispute led to his supervisor firing him from the restaurant. Nathan made it known that he was angry about this and felt that his termination was unfair, but would still stop by the restaurant to say hello to his friends and former co-workers. It didn't seem like things were heading in a tragic direction, despite Nathan being frustrated with the loss of his job. Yeah, the fact that he could still show up and not cause an incident would make one think that, like, he's not... He's not he a can't disgruntled... can't be that disgruntled. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. But a few weeks after his termination, and at this point, Nathan's 19 years old. So he's still really young. Nathan returned to the restaurant after hours. On the night of December 14th, 1993, he entered the building. So around 9 p.m., which is close to closing, Mm -hmm. he ordered a ham and cheese sandwich and then made his way to the arcade to play games. Just before 10 p.m. closing time, Nathan went into the restroom and hid until the front doors were locked up, knowing there would still be employees inside cleaning up for the night. And this part is fucking horrific, so I'm just going to try to get through it. He was armed with a 25 caliber semi-automatic handgun. He exited the bathroom and shot Sylvia Crowell, a 19-year-old employee who was shutting down the salad bar for the night. He then turned the gun on Ben Grant, 17 years old, who was vacuuming the carpet. Colleen O'Connor, also 17, dropped to the floor and put her hands up. Nathan shot her in the head. Oh, Oh my my God. God. Just a bunch of teenagers that he had worked with. That Mm -hmm. he knew. Mm Mm-hmm. God. He then made his way into the kitchen where Bobby Stevens, 20 years old, was loading dishes and utensils into the industrial dishwasher. Those machines are loud, so this is probably why why Bobby hadn't heard the shots out on the restaurant floor. Mm -hmm. Nathan shot Bobby in the face and hit him in the jaw, and he dropped to the floor and played dead. And Bobby actually survived this attack. Oh, my God. And went on to... He's still living now, so, you know, went on to have a family and live his life. Finally, Nathan made his way to the manager's office and confronted the manager on duty that night, 50-year-old Marge Kohlberg. He had Marge open the safe and allow him to empty it. She complied, and Nathan shot her in the ear at close range. There were a couple different reports... He did, he killed her with these gunshots, but I'm not 100% clear. There was one report that said that, like, he shot her and then turned to empty the safe, and then he turned back and noticed that she was still moving, and so he shot her again, but he shot her in the head, and she died. Yeah. Jeez. Okay, so now he has shot... Five people. Marge was not the manager who had fired him. That manager was not even working that night. Not that it would... Not that it would matter. But still, it's just even more senseless. Right. Place like none and of the like people those there. other like teen employees. No one had anything to do with it. No, this it, doesn't yeah. sound like a revenge. I mean, like I no. mean, that's exactly what it is. But I think there are just other factors. Like he, this, it's this is not a straightforward anyway. Right, but at a fucking Chuck E. Cheese. Yep, he's the 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 long and short of it is he's mentally ill, untreated, with access to a to firearm. Firearms. Mm-hmm. And that does not mean that every person who's struggling with their mental illness is dangerous by any stretch of the imagination. But it just seems like this guy's been ignored for a really long time. Mm-hmm. 
and and shuffled from place to place and getting place like place. little bits of help, but not comprehensive well, holistic right. care. He's he's in a rotating cycle within a justice system that's not restorative. So there, he's not being prepared at any step to actually manage his condition and like go back safely into society. And now now he's done this horrible fucking thing when one's family is also suffering. Uh-huh from mental health issues, then they're not uh, enough of a support system for this individual either. And like, may not see the the warning signs that yeah. can indicate these kinds of possibilities. It's Fuck. just all around so fucking sad. Everyone's life is ruined because of it. Brave as hell Bobby Stevens slipped out the back door while Nathan was in the manager's office. He made his way to an apartment complex next door and just banged on doors and windows until someone helped him. And he'd been shot in the face. In the face. In, in the, the jaw. jaw. He's like, oh, yeah. my God. I know. So scary. Police were called and Bobby was taken to the hospital for his wound. Obviously, he survived. This is so fucking sad. Sylvia Crowell, who had been cleaning up the salad bar, she died in the hospital the next day as a result of her injuries. Like, she was still fighting for her life, but she was declared brain dead. Jeez. And I think she was on life support. And I think it was just like a she's not she didn't. And Ugh. she's fucking what? 17, 19. She was, she was uh, 19, I think. Jesus. Yeah. So Colleen, Ben and Marge were all declared dead at the scene and Sylvia the, the next day. And then Bobby was the only survivor. So Nathan fled the scene with pockets full of game tokens and about fifteen hundred dollars in cash. Jesus. So it was not about a robbery no. He was there. There are also like a lot of elements of like irrationality. Oh, too. yeah. So, I mean, the he tokens is, well. is like a really creepy factor. It's yeah. just he just grabbed at whatever the fuck was in the safe. Yeah. Without he really just, any. It was like he just thought he should exactly. demand the safe be opened. But right. Yeah. Right. It, it was an afterthought. Yeah. I, I almost feel like going through motions almost. Yeah. It's almost. And I, you know, there's so much going on here that there's no way to know. But it's almost like he got there and it wasn't the manager that fired him. And so. But he was still amped up. In the moment, he's like, well, I'm going to fucking rob you. He was already shooting people before he saw who was managing. Yeah, I know. But it's like he's shooting them to get to his target. And then his target wasn't even there. And so he has to create some sort of scenario where he's like, well, fuck this. I'm going to kill you anyway. Mm -hmm. Because I've now already done. Like late. it doesn't. It's not logical. Yeah. Nothing that I you can postulate it's very is erratic. logical. But who fucking knows? It could have been anything. It's it's just a revenge, a revenge story coupled with some really fucked up gun laws and accessibility to firearms and, and healthcare. Really fucked up lack of mental health resources for all. I don't even think it's like that much of a revenge story. Like I know what you're saying, mm-hmm. and like on paper, yes, that makes sense, but. To me, there's almost more of like an alignment with like stalkers who have like extreme mental health issues. And then they like for some reason they key into like one particular person and then that Mm. becomes like their target. That's kind of how I feel, too. Like where it's like he just like Chuck E. Cheese in this place was on his mind because he used to work there. He goes there a lot. Yeah. And he probably does harbor some negative feelings about it. But there are so many other things that don't really I don't Make know. A lot of sense. I, right. I honestly don't know. He only worked at the Chuck E. Cheese for a few months. This wasn't like right. a long term thing. A career. It, well, I mean, no. I mean, he's 19. Right. I just, th- I think that 
I get I get what you're saying too. Right. I just there's nothing that I read about that indicates anything other than this man is not well. Right. And then he gets fired from like the first sign of stability in his right. adult life as a 19 year old. And he can't take it. He can't take it. And yeah. he fucking loses it. And at the root of the motive is like kind of a revenge fantasy type sure. thing. Does he sure. talk about his motive ever? He doesn't talk about his motive like directly in court or anything because he's also like a defendant that's A, he didn't take the stand. B, they're leaning or trying to lean fairly heavily on a mental health defense. Mm-hmm. So like th- those are not going to be. I didn't read the whole court transcript, so I don't know. But mm-hmm. nothing I found was like from straight from his mouth saying I did it because of this. Right, right, right. We're Which just I don't speculating. Think, you know right. what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. So Nathan was found guilty and sentenced to death for four counts of first degree murder and one count of attempted murder because this is Colorado in the '90s and the death penalty was still a thing. He actually, well, technically death row doesn't exist anymore. We'll get to it, but like remained on death row for. Many, 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 many years. He filed a habeas corpus petition in 2008, arguing that his attorney was ineffective and did not present a defense that cited his history of abuse and mental health. They definitely did, but I think he's saying that it was not enough, like it mm-hmm. wasn't the the forefront of his defense, mm-hmm. and it should have been. This petition was ultimately denied in 2010. Nathan's attorneys didn't give up and argued that if the jurors had this evidence of Nathan's mental illness, that they would not have ultimately sentenced their client to death. So they're not saying, like, he's innocent or should be given, you know, be let go, but they're saying he shouldn't be given the death penalty mm-hmm. and he should just be serve life in prison. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Judge William Sylvester on May 1st, 2013, signed Dunlap's as execution date to happen in the middle of August of 2013. But three weeks later, on May 22nd, 2013, John Hickenlooper, which I kept reading Hicklepooper when I was doing <laughs> this research. He ran and I was for like, president. Wow. I've met him. Did not get far. No. I mean, <laughs> whatever. Cool. Uh, John Hicklepooper. I can't. Yep. He was the Colorado governor at the time. Hicklepooper. Uh, Hicklepooper. He would temporarily temporarily reprieve Dunlap's execution date, but it like only applied to his term as governor. Okay. So he put it off. Like all this meant for Dunlap was that if John Hickenpooper was governor of the state of Colorado, then Dunlap wouldn't be executed. But he didn't state that he decided to choose full clemency. So like when the office was taken over by someone else after he didn't win in the next election, it could just Th- be then it was up to that person. Mm-hmm. Right. So the NAACP and other various groups continued contacting Hicklepooper, asking him to spare the life of Nathan, stating that the death penalty was used more on black and brown people than any other race, which is true. Like, we have the data to show that. The reprieve would also mean that unless Hicklepooper would place a new executive order Hicklepooper, that, <laughs> that the states of clemency or the execution would ultimately remain on hold. So Nathan Dunlap remains and remained the longest serving inmate on death row in Colorado. And the death penalty was officially revoked in the state in 2020 under Governor Jared Polis. Okay, so up until that change in the law, Nathan was the longest. And he's still in prison. He's just not on death row because there's no death row. Yep. He is in prison. And I believe mostly in isolation because of the violent nature of his crimes. Wow. God. So. How does this relate to video games? Yeah. 
Are you sure you it isn't just because he played them at the arcade before the murders? Okay. <laughs> I assumed because it was at a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. No. I was like, bit of a stretch, but thanks. Yeah. The link is based on internet theories and speculation about the inspiration for the 2014 game Five Nights at Freddy's. For Wikipedia, quote, the main video game series consists of eight survival horror games. So like it's eight separate games in this like franchise taking place in locations somehow connected to family pizza restaurant Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. Oh, no. In most games, the player assumes the role of a nighttime employee who must utilize tools such as security cameras, lights, doors, and vents to defend themselves against hostile animatronic characters that <gasps> inhabit the locations. Like Chuck E. Cheese. Yes. The series canon is revealed through voice recordings, mini games, and Easter eggs. The franchise also includes spin-off games and other media, including a novel trilogy and an anthology series. The fandom of this game is like massive. Dang. Comprising of an all-encompassing fictional universe. The franchise maintains an active fan base known for its production of fan art and fan games, and merchandise for the games is available internationally. Okay, I've at first I was really scared because I thought you were gonna say that the game is like a nighttime employee has to defend against like an armed intruder. Right. And I yeah. was like, oh my God, that is disgusting. It's but on the nose. Yeah. If this it, against animatronic, like there is something just innately creepy about Chuck E. Cheese's oh, and like those types of it. places. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to the fan theorized connections okay. and, and how they're complete crap. In my okay. Opinion. Okay. So game developers stick to the story that this game stemmed from a previous game made by the same creator, uh, like initial creator. His name is Scott Cawthorn or Cawthon. I don't know. Cawthon. Scott C. Who had made a family friendly video game called Chipper and Sons Lumber Co. There are also (laughs) photos on the drive of these games that I'm talking about. Oh, my God. In this game, you play a little beaver. And according to Chipper and Sons Lumber Co. Fandom.com, quote, It follows the story of a lumber company ran by Chipper, a humanoid beaver whose son, Tyke, (laughs) the player character, has to do certain objectives, ranging from collecting a certain amount of wood, talking to other characters, building a specific thing, and playing minigames throughout the game. It's basically early Animal Crossing. It's Animal Crossing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm telling you. Kenyon, you would play Animal Crossing, and you would love it. It's so gentle. I think I'd like it more if it was beavers. There might be beaver characters on your island. Who knows? Well, the fisher guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's not her, but whatever. The characters that were supposed to be cute in this game ended up being ended up being so creepy that they inspired the haunted animatronic nature of the horror survival villains in Five Nights at Freddy's. But fans of the game have long discussed in forums its connection to the Chuck E. Cheese massacre of nineteen ninety-three. While many still staunchly believe that the game was inspired by this tragic event, skeptics point out, and I agree, that this theory is likely rooted in the pearl-clutching media storm around video game violence and how that can trigger real-world violence or how it, like, glorifies violence or glorifies real violent events. Like, that was all part of this kind of satanic panic. And, like, there are games that are violent and inspired. There are tons of games that are way more on the nose. Right. Then, I mean, there are games where you can, like, literally play Nazis. Yep. Shoot sex workers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then this, where it's like you're fighting animatronic robot Fine. Haunted robots. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But, so, a lot of people were like, y'all, these this theory is nuts. But, to me, I think it captures kind of a... Um, like true crime fandom subculture where, pe- where people just really like to make Finding these kinds connections. of connections. 
even if you know they're a stretch. Yeah. And so we're going to go over the connections that they make. And I'm going to be honest, I love a good conspiracy theory, but this one just like made me feel super icky because people are connecting this real world tragic event with a video game that frankly has nothing to do with this event, in my mm-hmm. opinion. But yeah. there are there's a whole like kind of fascinating subculture of the internet that really believe in like argue with each other online and have forums online about specifically this theory and some of that i just think is like so attention seeking and like Mm -hmm. they're just trying to it's like the QAnon people they're just trying Mm -hmm. to get that like validation feeling of like being smarter than everyone else Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so here we go this is how i'm going to finish out the cases going over this fan theory so they think that a, there are several links in this game to the crime and that a lot of them are laid out in a video that Samantha actually sent me of like a YouTuber game reviewer guy who did a whole segment on this. So in this game, there are five animatronic villain characters trying to kill you as you try to survive. These characters are haunted by spirits that have allowed fu- the fuzzy robots to come to life. Some believe that these quote unquote spirits are a reference to the five victims in the shooting The characters in the game are all moving and haunted, except one character named Golden Freddy, who is much more limp and lifeless. Theorists believe this is the character that represents Bobby, the sole survivor of the shooting, while the other four characters inhabit the spirits of the victims who passed. But this bear, like, doesn't move around because it's not haunted by, like, an actual deceased, restless spirit. It's so weird because it's the reverse. Like, the victims aren't the perpetrators. It's I just mean, it's weird on the number it's bullshit. five. It's just it, yeah. bullshit. Yeah. It's also been confirmed by the game developers that Freddy's is indeed a parody of Chuck E. Cheese, because that was one of the things where they were like, it's based off of a Chuck E. Cheese. I don't find that particularly compelling on its own. The era of the game is within the, like, not what it was made, but when it's set. Yeah. Is within, like, an, a late 80s, early 90s aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, it's not particularly compelling because Chuck E. Cheese and arcade-type buildings that this game is based on were at peak popularity within that time frame. So if you're doing, like, an animatronic survival horror in a 90, 80s, 90s it setting... It could be Rainforest of, Cafe. Of course it's going to be in something well, like a Chuck E. We've Cheese. We've all seen a Goofy movie. Right. Like, yeah. they were way <laughs> more prevalent. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking yeah. Dave and Buster's is, like, the classy yeah. version yeah. of Chuck E. Cheese. Mm-hmm. Right. So throughout the game, you will get calls like telephone calls on like a payphone in the building that gives you tips on how to survive so i think you get like one or two calls a day one of the calls you get on night three recommends you quote try going limp and play dead which as we know is exactly how bobby survived but again this is like an instinctual response that could have been incorporated in the game i have to play dead to survive Not compelling. The game has you using security cameras to avoid the evil characters, but one camera never shows anything. It's like a black screen. And Golden Freddy, the character that some of these folks think is based on Bobby, tends to hide in the unseen area. That unseen area in the game is the kitchen in the game where Bobby was shot in real life. People are like, oh, it's Bobby's Golden Freddy and he hides in the kitchen. No. The fan theory also poses that you, the player, this is actually my favorite theory and the only one that I think tracks, that you, the player, who's trying to survive, are actually the murderer, like, Mm. back in the space again and experiencing a nightmare scenario rooted in guilt and of, like, angry spirits seeking revenge against you. I was like, that I could get. Like, the victims of your crime, even a living victim have now, like, their souls have inhabited these creatures that are trying, trying to exact to their revenge for their untimely death. I like that theory. I'm fine with that theory. Yeah. But 
all of it's BS, in my opinion. The I game can... is not connected to this crime yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. The developers told you it was like a joke riff off of those creepy beavers that the guy originally made. Yeah, the developers also, might not have even heard of this case. It's right. not like that groundbreakingly creative either. Mm-hmm. And and no. also, what the fuck would they be gaining by modeling this game after a horrific crime? Like No, I don't think that- I just I don't think people I think people like to see patterns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's obviously what these conspiracy Humans theorists like to see yeah. patterns. Yeah. And it's yep. just like more often than not, it's the dumber conclusion that this it has really, nothing to do with it. I mm-hmm. think like I I think the psychology of why people do this, like draw these connections, is fucking fascinating. These forums were mm-hmm. a, like a bizarre experiment to scroll through, mm-hmm. and I there's a part of me that gets it. Like we consume in a similar fashion in true crime, where we have theories and we mm-hmm. piece things together and we try to make things connect that we can't yeah. understand. It's a puzzle, yeah. and at a co- at the core, a puzzle is for entertainment. Yeah, we right. all do it on some level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was just something like particularly. Just because of the gruesome nature of the crime, I was just like, Ugh, I hate, I hate this connection. Just a bunch of teenagers who were senselessly murdered. I don't yeah. think that that is what this video game is based on. No. no. And if anything, this video game is like less problematic than oh yeah, a lot of others out there. Oh yeah, I, I kill like, those be animatronic mad at people robots. monetizing, gamifying the Holocaust. Right. Yeah. Ish. Fucking a. Anyway. Anyway, that's my case. All nice. Right. Well, job. thanks, Samantha. Thanks, Samantha Vanderveen. So uh, uplifting, so fun. Um, well, I mean, I kind of liked this topic. I like. Yeah, we too. learned a lot. That's good. We, we did, did learn a lot, but not how to pronounce dose. Oh mm. no, we did not. We need a dose of our own medicine. Okay, we will see you next week. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Cheers!